things my family did I am not the voices in my head I am not the pieces of the brokenness inside I am light I am light Welcome everyone to the Being Inspired Radio Show. I am your host, Amanda Johnson, and I am thrilled to have another inspiring guest with me today. This woman is someone who is just an incredible power um, in my in my mind, in my energy field, in my experience of her. And I say this because when I met uh, this incredible beam of light nearly two years ago now at a retreat, um, we, I just, I remember seeing her, she took the stage, we were at the Captivate retreat and she took the stage to give a speech and she walked out and I remember just staring at her and she said that she has these superpowers and I, I was literally captivated by her. And over the course of the weekend, I got to know her and I wanted to get to know her more about what, what is it that makes her so, so special and so unique and to have these superpowers. And so I, I'm glad to say I got to know her a bit more over that weekend. And of course, in the last couple of years, though we have been thousands of miles apart, we have had this very wonderfully unique strange divine connection and and I think it is something that um, will never break and I'm thrilled to have this excuse in some ways to reconnect with her and to share her with all of you who are listening so that you get to know more about her and her superpowers and what she is here to do. So who I am talking about today is Kara Viana Hollenbeck. And Kara is a teacher, a healer, gifted intuitive and coach. She practices playful spirituality and helps bring you back into connection with the broader essence of who you are. In her loving, humorous and often irreverent way, she welcomes you home to the newest version of you. Kara believes in owning our superpowers, cultivating untapped resources within your mind and body. Growth becomes exponential with her guidance. Kara is a teacher to her core. Her meditation courses, women's retreats, readings, masterminds, and private coaching provide you with a lifelong toolbox of energy techniques that will diminish your hurdles and empower you to navigate daily life like a ninja of joy. I love that. Welcome to the show, Kara. Oh, thank you. I feel so welcomed. I am sitting here with a big smile on my face, basking in just your words. And when you said, um, when you said that connection between us will never be broken, I got a flood of goosebumps and energy course through my body and um, erupts out like a giant smile on my face. So a big um, aho to that. Thank I love you for it. having me. Mm-hmm. That's the magic of this. That's the, the mystery, the miracle. And it, I love that you, you receive that just full body uh, resonance with what I said. Those moments to me are just so incredible and delicious. And for anyone listening, tune into that. When your body lights up, there's something in it. So pay attention. So, and, and that's what we're here to talk about today, I think is this, how our, well, I think it will go this direction, though it may not. But when you sent me, um, Kara sent me some ideas, um, words, themes of what she is a stand for. And I asked that of each of my guests because I want to first really invite them to feel into and then be invited to feel into with them what it is that they um, are here for. Why are they in this 
form and how to serve and um, and and as I ask those questions, then I I like to see what comes out of that that feels very present for me that really again lights me up and then I use that as a jumping off point for our conversation. And so when Kara sent me these ideas, these concepts, these beliefs in terms of what it is that she has a stand for, um, there's so much in in there, just so much goodness, and we'll maybe touch on most of it, um, but. But I, what really jumped out at me is that she is a stand for joy and, and this idea that it is an inside job and we can tap into it at any moment. And, and even just as we were preparing to record this episode, I could feel that energy um, in Kara and I could feel it in myself. So that's what we're going to explore today is this um, idea of joy being an inside job. And and I find a quote, a passage, something from a book, a resource of sorts that I've read. And I like to use that as a jumping off point for our discussion so that we can hear the words and the, the message spoken to us through another and then see what comes alive in us through that. So I'm going to read a quote from one of the actually there were two books that I read about three years ago or so that served as um, a real pivot point in my life. They, they, I believe, were the transformational books for me. And one of them is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And it's from that book I'd like to read a quote. And as I read it, I ask that if you can close your eyes, feel into what the truth is that Michael Singer is presenting as we Think about and talk about joy being an inside job. Michael Singer says, the only things you really want from life is to feel enthusiasm, joy, and love. If you can feel that all the time, then who cares what happens outside? No matter what it is, it's beautiful when you feel that way inside. So you learn to stay open no matter what happens. If you do, you get for free what everybody else is struggling for. Love, enthusiasm, excitement, and energy. So Kara, as you hear Michael Singer's version of the truth of what it means to experience joy, what stands out to you? What speaks to you? Well, I love that. I want to tip my hat to him, uh, cheers him. <laughs> um, and, and I couldn't agree more. And the way that I hear that is that the world around us, uh, society, I, I should say, around us is oftentimes striving for happiness externally. Um, when I get the new car, when I get the new job, when my wife stops nagging me, when my kids start finally doing their chores, when I get this promotion, if I could just make more money, um, et cetera, et cetera, then, then I'll be happy. And, I, and then, and then we, we need those things. They're like lifeblood because, because joy is this inherent right that on some level we know we have, and it feels so just effing wrong when we don't have it. And we want to blame the outside world because we assume that the outside world is what's robbing us of it. And, and us not being provided with this external thing is what's keeping us from it. And it's just not accurate. And, and I think that this, this beautiful quote that you're reading is talking about when we can cultivate those things inside ourselves or when we can find that spark or when we can hold on to it for any number of things, then all of a sudden all that external stuff doesn't have the necessary power that it had, um, the, the power of necessity that it had prior because they can come and go freely and they're not the crux of our joy. I love I that. Oh, I love that. Oh, you are. Mm -hmm. And what I love, what I, you said that, um, how the, we, we feel it's the external world that is robbing us of our joy. And that was really like, boom, that stuck out, that stood out to me because I think 
That is so true. We, we look at it and say, well, the only reason I'm not experiencing this joy, and to your point, that is an inherent, um, we are all entitled to joy, absolutely, because it is the core essence of who we are. And it is, it belongs to each of us. And so I love that we then start to get into this blaming game of, but it's out there that's keeping me from it. It's robbing me of it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when I was, I I was having a similar thought process around joy as I sat with this concept today. And certainly I felt Michael Singer really summed that up well, that yeah, it has nothing to do with out there. And what I find interesting is, and I'd love your perspective on this too, it's, it's so easy to see how, yeah, yeah, you know, we, we look to the job, we look to the relationship, we look to the promotion, the car, the house, the money to then bring us joy. Equally, I wonder in your path, um, you know, in, in your spiritual path and with the work you do and the uh, people you surround yourself with and in the communities you, you know, find yourself, we can, I find that it we can do that even beyond the potentially superficial um, external things. And we can still look to it to say, well, when I uh, no longer experience pain and suffering, then I can have joy. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So how else? Oh, yes. that? Yeah, when okay. I become enlightened, <laughs> if I just take six more In- courses, if I could just become a Reiki master and XYZ, oh my gosh, yes, we do all that. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll be good enough. Mm-hmm. Then I'll be all the things I want to believe I am. I love that. Yeah, so yeah, I, it, so I, I think, think that, it can mature. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, and we can look to any number of things. And so the interesting thing is that, you know, someone could hear me say that and, and it, it could make sense on the surface, but then when they do get the promotion or the new car or the new um, level of mastery in their spiritual XYZ, they are happier. And so then they're like, well, care is full of BS because look, I am happier. And I think the crux of all of this is focus. So I'm sorry, let me rephrase. I know the crux of all of this to be focused. And so I have a funny little story to tell you. Last night I was teaching a yoga class and this particular yoga class I teach is in a gym And it's a brand new gym, and they have this really beautiful little little room for us to do yoga in. And, of course, it's right next to, um, kind of inside of the big gym where everyone is lifting weights. And they have an open window above the door, like a, a, a window without glass. So noise really goes back and forth. And it's not a very big deal during my class. I'm playing music, and I'm talking, and we just completely forget that the rest of the world exists. When we get to Shavasana at the end and everyone lays down and I have like soft music playing, all of a sudden you can hear so loudly the like bad 80s music or the like grunting and slamming of weights or whatever might be going on, conversations or something out in the rest of the gym. And so last night as everybody's settling in and we're all just very relaxed, the sun has just set out the beautiful windows, we've just had this gorgeous class and I've got um, this beautiful mantra playing on the stereo inside the room. And then outside the room is some really catchy 90s pop song or something playing. And I told everybody, this is like life, right? There is never in your life a single point, I don't think, that you could point at and say, there was never in that moment, there was only one side of the coin for me to focus on. So I can always focus on the Abe Lincoln side of my coin, or I can always focus on whatever's on the other side of the Abe Lincoln coin. But there's always two sides to the coin, meaning there's always the Om Gam Ganapatiye Namaha, beautiful mantra being channeled in. And then there's always the obnoxious 90s pop song. And, and I love 90s pop, so don't just happen to be obnoxious one last night. And we can look to whichever one we want and we can even take that a step further to say within our lives, there's always joyful things to look at and there's always painful things to look at or, or things, excuses to be unhappy or excuses to be joyful. And so when you get that promotion, that's an excuse to be joyful. It's a really easy excuse to be joyful and it's right in your face. It's fresh when it happens, but how many people get a promotion and then continue to feel joy from that promotion for an extended period of time? 
most of us feel joy about it right away, and then we immediately jump into the, okay, and now I've got these added responsibilities and this whole new level of tasks to do, and then we start to focus on the next thing that's in our face. We just, we focus on whatever's right there in our face instead of looking for the things that focusing on them is going to make us feel good. And I am, I am a basker. I love to bask. And I like to look for things that are going to make me feel joyful, and then I like to hold on to them. And, and, and not in a, um, perhaps hold on to isn't the, isn't the proper phraseology, but I like to look at them and I like to soak up the deliciousness that I feel when I think about them. So if a butterfly goes by, I'm going to stop and be captivated by that for a moment because it feels like magic to me. It's delicious. And if I see something horrible in the news, I might pause and send love, but I'm going to turn the news off. I'm not going to sit and bask in the things that make me feel horrible. I'm going to do the best I can to bring myself back into feeling good. And then for my pace of feeling good, I might send some love to whatever's happening in whatever part of the world. Or I might try to do something good about it if I can. But I'm not going to sit, if possible, and focus on something that makes me feel bad and just amplify the bad feelings inside myself. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And as we were laying there, I was telling everyone, I want you to notice how whichever one of these two musics you focus on, it gets louder. So if you focus on the chanting, it gets really loud to the point where you almost don't even notice the pop anymore. And if you focus on the pop music, it feels like it's drowning everything out. And it's the same way in life. That is so powerful. Like that, brilliant. That, and it is full of so much goodness. So like the two sides of the coin that we always have at our disposal, two sides to focus on in every moment. And that which we focus on, that which we focus on gets louder. I mean, brilliant and, and such a powerful analogy for us to hold on to. And so true, um, because the truth is we will, we never escape the obnoxious 90s music, meaning it's always there somewhere in our life, right? <laughs> it's always there, whether or not it is, you know, it's, it's that we aren't making as much money as we want, if it's, you know, our, our relationships in a little bit of a funk, if it's, you know, I don't know, whatever, it could be a million th things. And to your point, the beautiful mantra is also playing at the same time. And can we pause? Can we focus in on that? Can we bask? in it so that we are we are cultivating more of that within ourselves versus getting drowned out and in, and again feeling as if no it's just the 90s music is robbing me of my joy right now it's robbing me of my savasana no it's not right, right? we have that power to choose i think that's so incredible and i love also that you pointed out because as soon as you start talking about we get the promotion we feel great for a minute you're right it is an, it's an excuse what a, that's a great way of looking at it it's an excuse to feel joy in that moment and it's an easy one so why not feel it there's no one no one's here sitting here saying don't feel it in those moments you know when you get the promotion when you make i don't know extra million dollars this year whatever it is or an extra 100 yeah. feel happy feel joy use those moments and Remember that then as humans, we, we have this hedonic treadmill that we get on, which means we'll feel it for a minute and then boom, we're right back to square one. And so the, yes. is, oh my gosh, let's cultivate it. Let's focus on the joy in each moment versus the pain and the suffering. And, and here's the other thing I want to get your thoughts on, because I think that there is this misconception, certainly I had it and, and maybe others do too, that to experience joy means we 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 just feel happy and everything's good and oh my gosh everything's like amazing and I don't always feel that way with joy I mean and, and to continue with your story of lying in savasana when you're lying there and you're listening to the band it doesn't necessarily mean people are you know I don't know just what's the word they 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 it doesn't have to look a certain way they don't have to be jumping up and down and celebrating do you see, like the joy right. can be a much right. deeper subtler experience of life so what are you because i i do what what's your thoughts on this like the misconception of what joy is or what it needs to look like i i couldn't agree with you more and i think that the power doesn't come from only ever feeling joy. I think the power comes from knowing that we can always turn the coin over. So when I realize that that's in my control, 
all of a sudden I become, I, I feel safe, right? Because the world is a very unsafe place when you believe that you don't have power over your own focus. When I believe that at any moment something could rob me of my joy, when I believe that um, it has to be going good for me to feel good, right? That there's got to be something in front of my face. That's, that's a very scary and, and maybe victim-y and um, unsafe sort of way to feel. And when I start to realize that I can flip over the coin at any point that I want to, now it becomes a safer place to be. And now if I want to bask on the crappy side of the coin, I can. It's totally okay. And it's the safe thing for me to do. So sometimes it's, let's face it, sometimes it's delicious to bask in our own misery. <laughs> it really is. Like sometimes a tantrum is wonderful. And sometimes I really let myself have that. And, and I do so consciously as much as possible. And, um, knowing that I'm going to be able to come back to my joy. And so in kind of a weird way, maybe having my tantrum or having my moment of like rage that something's not going my way, or I just want to be sad for this moment. Sometimes there's almost a pleasure in that as well. And and I don't think that we're wrong for anything at all. I, I don't, I really don't think that we're wrong. And if we don't know how to find our own joy, I don't think we're wrong. It's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And I love, again, the power in knowing there are two sides. We get to choose which side we're, we're focusing on. And, and that creates safety and security. And, and so many of us are, are, again, struggling, chasing, scrambling for some sense of security and stability in life. And boom, there's, there's one, there, there's the ticket. I mean, not, and it, it may not be that easy, but it's there and it's available to each of us. And this idea that we can consciously experience our pain and suffering because guess what? We're going to. Pain and suffering is going to occur. And and I'm, you know, I'm thinking about that. And yes, be in it and accept that. And maybe you wallow, maybe you embrace it, whatever word you want to use, you let it move through you, knowing that there's always the other side of the coin. And what I loved is that there you, you even tapped on something that I also believe to be true, which is there's a set, sort of pleasure, which again, for me, is that deep, deep, deep joy that is completely unchanging once we start to see it. So while there are two sides of the coin, there, there's this constant that is always there. I mean, they're both there, right? So the joy never goes away. And then we start to actually... Um, the, the image that came up, there's this uh, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about being the, the waves in the ocean, right? And if we, if we think that we are the wave, then when, we, when we're up, right, we're like, Woo! we might have this like exhilarating, just exciting, you know, we got the promotion, we just landed the, you know, got the new relationship, whatever, and we're feeling the high of that wave. And then there's always a crash. Um, and so the, when we, when we that, that's hard. To then feel a crash, mm. but when we can mm-hmm. step back and say, I, "I'm the I'm the whole ocean," like I'm 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 the water, and no matter if I'm at the top or at the bottom, that's who I still am. There can be a sense of joy um, that goes with both with all of it. We don't have to lose that that quality. So I just I love what you were saying right there. I I, I think that I ocean think- analogy is so beautiful. I um. You, you asked about like the misconception of joy and I agree with you. I think especially as adults, we tend to think of joy as something consciously or unconsciously that we sort of leave behind as kids. Like sometimes we actually look at it like it's frivolous, right? Like we equate joy with, um, you know, as frivolous as it is to just like skip down the street. And, and that's comical for me because I am someone who skips down the street and wears tutus and things. But um, that all came back to me as an adult, or maybe maybe I never had it as a kid, I don't know, that, that willingness to just be ridiculous. And I don't think that that's all that joy is. I, I feel like joy is more of an, I say, alignment or connection. So for me, when I feel like I'm in alignment, I am connected to the fullness of who I am. I'm connected to that essence of myself, that um, broader part of me, that source universe. And joy is, is one of the indicators that I'm in that place. But I also can be in alignment and feel peace. 
I can be in alignment and feel ecstasy. I can be in alignment and feel a, a whole plethora of other things that I think of as, quote, positive emotions. And, and sort of joy, I sometimes use interchangeably with alignment. So, so it, it does kind of become a bigger thing than just, than just mm-hmm. an emotion. Yes. And, and, you know, this, I, this image of can't, it's just not escaping me. And so I'm going to share this story. It's, and I, I actually experienced this just earlier today, hey, I'm out in nature. Um, not always, and not necessarily the only place, but often. And it's this sense of, I, I'm walking down the street and I observe myself smiling. Now I don't have a big, you know, Cheshire cat grin or, you know, and to your point, I'm not, I'm personally not skipping down the street though. I love that image of you doing it. Um, and yet I'm, I'm walking and there's this, this smirk almost on my face. And in that moment I observed it. And to me, that is the definition of joy at times. And I love that you're showing how it can be other things. It can be peace. It can be, you know, ecstasy can be all these other things. And for me, it can also be the smirk on my face as I walk down the street on an average day where nothing extraordinary is happening. And honestly, if you were to look at my life under a microscope and scrutinize it, you might be thinking, why are you, what excuse do you have to be happy right now? Right? I mean, really, there is, you know, not that I have a terrible life. Equally, I don't have a life that some people might equate with happiness at all times. So I found this, and in that moment, I was transported to the time I remember that I observed that for the first time. It doesn't mean it was the first time it ever happened, but it was like that moment that I'm like, that's when it happened. And I remember I was still living in California and I was working at an elementary school teaching theater. And I took the train to the you know, location and I walked from the train to the school every day. And again, there was nothing extraordinary about this particular day. It was probably a Wednesday and I'm walking to my, you know, walking to the same school I'd walk to all week. And I caught myself smiling, like as if I was watching myself. And I thought in that moment, this is what joy means. This is what it means. Like there's nothing I was, I was able to acknowledge. And, and you said the word earlier, a connection or feeling, feeling in alignment. And I think in that moment, what I was experiencing was full connection with, with source. I was feeling a connection with nature, with earth. I was looking at the trees and that happened again today. So that's also how I would define joy. And, and now, you know, um, as opposed to how I probably would have defined it years ago. Is that not the absolute best feeling to just be going along and all of a sudden realize you're, you've, you're smiling without realizing you're smiling? smiling. Like, like I, totally. I am smiling right now just hearing your story and feeling that feeling from you. I'm basking in your joy and feeling joy. I love that feeling. And it is a smirk. It's like, <gasps> did, 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 I, did that just happen? Did I just accidentally focus my way into bliss in this moment? <laughs> I love it. It's yes. Like You've got the secret, right? Like the secret sauce. Oh my gosh, there's a secret to this universe that I just tapped into and I don't even need to know what it is. I just know that right now I have this smirk on my face. Totally. I love it. Yes. So yeah, that is for so when you yeah, when you first wrote about joy being an inside job, that that is what really stood out to me. So um it's a, it's beautiful. So tell me a little bit more about um, you know this, this the fact that you are a stand for joy. Like where does this come from? How does it show up in your life? Um, was it different before? Tell us a little more. Paint paint that story. So yeah, this came about um, two things. One, I think, is that I am an eternal optimist, um, and and. That I think is something I was just born with. Um, the the seeing the silver lining is is just one of my superpowers, and I want to talk a little bit about this concept of silver lining because um, it's been popping into my head as we've been talking. But first, I'll tell you a little bit about the story. So I um, I was born really super sensitive. Um, in, in a very extreme way. And I could feel what other people feel. And as a little kid, that was very overwhelming. Um, I obviously didn't know it was anything different than anything else. Um, I also knew that I could take on people's 
troubles and process them myself and then hand it back and then they would feel better. And so I just went around doing that without realizing what I was doing. I just knew that I could make people feel better. And so I just kind of did this. And um, it was many years later that I was able to look back and see that that's what had been going on. I, you know, as a kid, you just kind of do what you do. So about the time I was 18 or so, um, years of doing this as well as tremendous life stress, um, it all kind of caught up with me and I plummeted into a really severe clinical depression. And I spent about five years living that way, living in, um, sometimes I call them the years of traction. So it was the years of trying to battle this, this darkness, this horrible, horrible depression. I was in therapist's office and doctor's offices and that was also when I began taking energy work and meditation courses at 18. And that's what saved my life. This, this work that, that I teach now saved my life. And after those years um, coming out of the, the depression and getting off of all the medications and really healing myself from the inside out, what happened I, in, in hindsight many years later but of course, I just wanted to get my head above water. But many years later, um, I, I began describing myself as the, the happiest person I knew. I'm, I'm the most joyful person I know. And I knew that it was because I had lived such a profound absence of joy. And to live in a place of profound absence of joy is like living without oxygen. And so the desire that I had for joy was so far magnified beyond what most people probably have, it, the desire was so powerful that by the time I finally got around, for one thing, the desire was so big that it, it amplified that gap for me. And so the absence of it felt way more extreme than it might for someone else. But two, when I finally caught up to that desire, the life that I had generated for myself, not just externally, but the way that I live internally is is a giant magnified version of joy. Um, so that's how joy came about in my life. As far as really starting to understand that it's an inside job, and, and certainly I remind myself I, of this on a regular basis because um, I'm very much human and I very much, um, well, that's a funny thing to say, I'm very much human. I often feel like um, I'm, not being, I'm not very good at being human sometimes, but um, I, I am certainly... I get caught up as well in that feeling of, um, oh, I need that person to be different. And, and then I have to catch myself and say, oh, actually, I don't. I don't need that person to be different to feel joy. I would love if that person was different. I would love if they were not yelling at me right now, but I have the capacity to feel joy. I have the capacity to find my way back into my alignment, to find my way back to joy. Maybe I can and maybe I can't do it this very second. I might be so focused on this side of the coin that turning it over feels like a Herculean task, but I know that in a moment or in an hour or in a day, I'll be able to flip it over with ease. So when we, when we, I think our relationships is one of the biggest areas of our life that benefits when we start to let this sink into our head, when we start to take our, the responsibility for our happiness off of other people. So our partners, our family, our friends, when we start to not make them responsible anymore for our own happiness, our own joy, and we start to say, I'm responsible for my happiness and my joy. And same thing goes for your, your kids or your job or your home. When you take that responsibility back for yourself, you free them. It's, it's a ridiculous responsibility to put on someone else because they don't actually have control over it. <laughs> Certainly they can bend over backwards and they can do lots of things that when you focus on those things that they do, those actions that they have, you often feel happiness. But if you're really focused on the other side of the coin, they could be doing all the things and you're still not going to see Abe Lincoln. So it can be very annoying when you're trying to make someone happy who is hell-bent on not being happy in that moment. And it's because it's their own job. And, and you certainly love them and want to do nice things, but it's not your job. And we have to remember that. And when we start to do that, we can then learn that it's okay to be selfish because it's our responsibility to have our own happiness. And then when we're happy, then we sort of sprinkle it about the world and we do really nice things for the people around us just by being happy. Um, mm. 
That's amazing. Yeah, I want kind of, that's kind of, okay. so much. And I, now you had planted a little silver lining seed earlier that I want to get back to. And before you do, if that still feels true and, and present for you, so much good stuff in what you just said. And as you were speaking, um, these little connections were being made. You know, I'm hearing, first of all, I just heard something this past weekend about, you know, the difference between being childlike and childish. And this idea that you are an eternal optimist. And I will say, I think many of us who are um, leading ch the charge in terms of finding the joy and, you know, seeing it, taking the responsibility of it, do have this eternal optimism. And that is a childlike um, quality. To your point, skipping down the street, childlike does not mean it's childish. And so I think there's a profound difference there for us to remember. Um, and then this other, there were, you're weaving this in terms of it, this idea of you needing to first experience the depths of the depression in order for you to feel the height of the joy. And, and I, I, what I see in that is, um, and I remember learning this, and I think there's a reason so many of us walk around or we perceive others walking around kind of living somewhere in between all that. Maybe they don't have extreme depression, Equally, they probably don't have the highest love and joy available to them equally because you need, it is a rubber band. It is a, um, it's a full circle. And in order to, you need to reach the one edge, or the one end of it in order to experience the other. And I think that's what I hear in your story. And I say that because of those who are experiencing deep depression and I am, I know them, you know, and I, I'm familiar with some of them. And I offer that, that while I can only imagine what it feels like in that moment, there's another side to the coin. And what you have, what you are creating is this elasticity, this ability to experience the, um, ex this, the depths of both the depth of depression and the depth of joy and love. And so I think that's so powerful. And if there's anything around that you want to talk to or share more about the, the silver lining, I'd love to hear it. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Um, so that is one of the things that um, that I think I dance a little bit in and amongst is the, um, on one hand, being able to, being able to honor and appreciate the, the pain that I went through, the pain that we all go through. Um, for that rubber band that it gives us and not, I, I have a very, uh, I have an aversion to putting it on a pedestal. So sometimes we, we, in our society, we have a tendency to put, we martyr people, we put people's um, pain on a pedestal and I want my joy to be on my pedestal, not my pain. And what I mean by that is one of the things that I've learned far after having experienced what I experienced so many, many years later, um, was that I, in hindsight, I know that I did not have to go to the depths of hell and stay there as long as I stayed there in order to feel the ecstasy that I feel now. That was an option. That was a path, and it is a way to get there, and that's the way that I did it because at that point, I, didn't, I wasn't doing any of it consciously, obviously, and I didn't know another way. However, as I've gone along this journey, I've learned that it is possible, like that rubber band, that stretching out of the sort of like midline of like, I'm, I'm kind of bummed, I'm kind of happy, that like mid-range, it's possible for us to stretch our rubber band in the direction of joy, and then maybe bounce back to like so-so, and then stretch our rubber band in the direction of more joy, and then bounce back to so-so. We don't have to go all the way to the extreme of in that pit of hell that I experienced to get to the high ecstasies. And I made a commitment to myself. Um, mm, that, that sounds too uh, rigid as I say it. Um, I made a conscious choice that my desire, a conscious desire, that I wanted to experience my expansion and my growth from here on out in a more pleasurable, gentler, less extreme pain kind of a way. That, and I know that it's possible. And have I mastered this yet? 
No. Um, am I far closer than I ever was to, to getting good at it? Yes. Um, do I think that any of us are ever wrong for creating in our lives the big, big misery? No, of course not. Do I know how to com- consciously prevent any big misery from happening in my life? No. I do know how to focus. So I know how to ease a lot of that when it comes at me because I know how to see the positive. Um, and I guess that loops me around to the silver lining thing that I was, I was feeling this image as we were talking earlier of, of the silver lining. So is, is this eternal optimist, um, sometimes it's annoying, I'm sure, for people around me. I have a tendency to say, well, yeah, but look at this. <laughs> and just constantly be flipping the coin over. Well, yeah, but look, but look, there's Abe Lincoln. Um, why would you look at that side when Abe Lincoln's on the other side? He's so much fun. Let's look at Abe Lincoln. And sometimes people are like, we're talking about, I don't know what's on the other side, like the, some building or something. We're talking about this other side of the coin. Well, yeah, but why would you talk about that side of the coin when there's Abe Lincoln? So this silver lining, um, we see this big storm cloud, and then we see the silver lining, right, which is this little line of light around the cloud. And when we look at it from that perspective, the silver lining looks very small in comparison to the big giant cloud. So oftentimes when people say, I'm going through this big thing, and, um, and I say, oh, well, yeah, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely making you appreciate the other little, the other good things in your life more. Um, that feels like such a small lining in comparison to this giant storm cloud. And the image that I was really understanding earlier is that, um, what is the silver lining? The silver lining is not a tiny good thing that comes out of a really shitty bad thing. The silver lining, I hope I can curse on here, I forgot to ask you. The silver lining is, um, it's the sun that's behind the cloud. And how big is the sun, or if it's at night, the moon, how big is the moon compared to this piddly little cloud? The cloud's just in front of our face, so it looks really big. And the silver lining is just a reminder that the sun's on the other side of it. So when we find a silver lining in a really dark situation, what we're finding is a thread, right? It's like a lifeline, that reminder that on the other side of this cloud, whether we go through it or around it or we wait for it to pass, on the other side of this cloud is the sun shining on us. And that is so much bigger than this tiny little cloud. That is a powerful image. It, it's Abe Lincoln's face. It's on the other side. It's right there. It's right. huge. Right oh there. my gosh. <laughs> so, so powerful. And thank you. I, a huge thank you. As you, were, as you were reminding me and all of us that we don't have to go to the depths of hell because I personally also believe that. Um, also because that's been my journey. I haven't gone to the depths of hell, and yet I caught myself um, a couple of years ago noticing the thought that I had to, like, I have to go there mm. before I can be saved. I'm like, well, that's an interesting belief. So thank you for for reminding us of that, that no, the, you're right, the, the rubber band can expand in the other direction. It's as long as we are willing to acknowledge that there is, it's, it's, there's, all of it is there, we then, to your point, get to choose how much do we want to focus on? And none of it's wrong. I also really appreciate that reminder. As someone who's come from a, very much a past of right and wrong, and oftentimes I was doing it wrong, and so was everyone else, then that's a good reminder. Um, so thank you for those. And that we can remember that we don't have to go to the depths of hell. If we do, that's okay. Um, and we always have a choice to remember that when we see that cloud, because it can feel so big when it's right in front of our face. And your, your reminder that the, the silver lining is not just some small thing. It's a reminder of something so much bigger that is always there. It is never going anywhere. And we can wait for the cloud to pass. We can go around it or we can move through it. We have all these choices. And I just think that is such a powerful image for us to remember in those moments where we, we turned the coin over and, and we forgot Abe Lincoln's on the other side. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you. So good. So this is where I'm going to ask 
if there's anything else that feels unsaid, unspoken, um, pulling at your your heart to to say in terms of this these themes, these concepts, what we've been talking about before I pivot and get to know you a little bit more personally. Is there anything else? I just want to share, I've had this image. Um, I love chatting with you. This is so much fun. Um, just diving into all this big juiciness. So I had this image of myself going through, um, you know, this cloud and sort of like periodically popping my head out of the cloud and like leaning over to look to, to the, to the backside of the cloud and being like, hi, Abe. Okay. You're back there. Like, okay, son, you're over there. All right. All right. I'm halfway through, like I'm, I'm working my way through the cloud and then I'll pop back into the cloud and like, whoa, is me the darkness. Whoa, is me. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I just got to remember like, pop my head out of, okay. It's right over there. Cool. It's all right. Just pop my head back into the cloud. I'm like wading through my cloud to get to the other side. I'm feeling all the feels. I've got all the emotions. I've got the grief and the sadness and okay. And then I periodically just got to pop my head out and be like, sun's still there, right? Okay. 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 You're getting brighter. All right. All right. Mama's through. Mama's through. <laughs> <laughs> I love that image. I totally can see it. Yes, we can come up from come up for a breath of air. Okay, I see it. And then we can go back in, you know, go back to holding yep. our breath and feeling miserable. Yep. I love it. Yep. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. So much fun. These these conversations just never fail to just light me up. Um, so with that, and, and as we have just journeyed through the cloud and around the cloud, and we've looked at the sides of the coins, by the way, the metaphor and the visuals that have been coming through my conversations with people of late are so potent. And I'm being, um, I had this thought today as I was on my walk that I think part of it is as I feel more connected to everything around me, I can, I have greater access um, to metaphors and analogies. Because I remember there was a day where I was like, I'm terrible at those. I can never, you know, and now, and I equally think that of others. So when you presented these analogies and metaphors and visuals, I think it's because you're so connected. And when we're connected, we see the oneness in everything. And so it's easier to point to something that seemingly is disconnected and go, well, it's just like this. So thank you for mm. the metaphors. It really helps I us all connect that. better. Mm -hmm. I've noticed Absolutely. that, um, so I do readings, right? And I speak with people's higher selves. And um, oftentimes, they speak in metaphor, they speak in analogy, not, not in like a weird way, but in a helping us to understand things. So as they're, as they're giving advice on, you know, you're doing really good and you're doing really good. And then a baseball analogy will come. And sometimes I laugh because I know nothing about sports. And every once in a while, someone's higher self will give a sports analogy because that's what will make sense to the person I'm talking to. And I, and I, and I just have to laugh and say, like, I hope that this is really like, I don't, I think touchdowns are football. That's about like Down how much I know. So whatever the analogy is. <laughs> right. whatever the analogy. So I think you're dead on when you say that. Um, I, I don't want to make an overgeneralization, but yes, for a lot of us, when we're really tapped in those beautiful metaphors and analogies that, that make it a, a sort of global concept, because if I just talk about like the one issue that I'm dealing with, like I keep stubbing my toe on this one piece of furniture or whatever, um, it, that might not translate to everybody. There might be other people that don't have the same thing. Like if I'm having an issue in a relationship, maybe someone's never had that issue in a relationship. But if we back it up a little bit, we can come up with more global concepts that everyone can kind of relate to. And we can start to see how just that little issue in our relationship actually pertains to a lot of other things when we can put it into kind of a context like that. Bingo. I love it. So good. So for all those listening, if if you've never taken a yoga class, hopefully the metaphor that Kara started us with is just going to allow you to see it in another way. I just, it's so powerful. <laughs> All right. So much stuff. Um, and let's, let's wrap it up with some amazing questions. Um, well, of course they're amazing questions because I came up with them. No, uh, with your responses <laughs> to these questions. That's what I'm looking for. Your amazing responses. Okay. So the first question I ask is, who is a source of inspiration for you and why? So it's hard for me to choose one because there are so many. Um, and I, I can feel in my throat that the choked up feeling when I think about how much inspiration I really receive in my life. There's birds singing outside my window right now and I'm feeling inspiration from them. And 
um, my family is a constant, overwhelming source of inspiration to me. Um, one of the places that I get inspiration so much um, without even looking for it is through the the people that I work with, my students and um, my clients. I am humbled, honored every single time I get to work with someone and they, I laugh when people thank me because to me, it's such a tremendous honor to get to be a part of or a witness to someone's journey. It, it just, it's so intimate. It's so beautiful. There's so much for me to learn. I, I get to celebrate them. Um, it's really remarkable to watch someone and see someone in their greatness, in their, in their majesty, in their perfection, whether they feel like they're a hot mess or not. When I get to put myself into that role, that's how I get to see them, the way that my essence sees their essence, right? And the inspiration that comes out of that for me, I've, this is fresh in my mind because on Sunday, um, I lead a sisterhood group. It's a 10-month program, and um, on Sunday was our closing our day of this 10-month of this journey, and it, we, we took our two-hour circle into almost four hours of just sobbing with joy as we all shared reflections to each other of, of the magnificence we see in each other, and then we sat and received that from one another, and the whole thing was just overwhelming love fest of, of of huge proportions. And I sat there just feeling so awe just in, in the big version of that word. I was in awe of these women and, and of their greatness. And, and so I'm still sort of riding high on the inspiration that came out of that. Mm, incredible. That's incredible. Thank you for all of those touch points of varying degrees and um, of where inspiration can be found with others. So that's incredible. My second question then is what place or activity most inspires you right now? Ooh, so many exciting places and activities. Okay. So I'm such a rebel. I I never can just pick a thing, a one thing. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, so I live near the ocean. I, I really love the ocean. I am, I, my soul is so connected to it. And um, the other day, um, we went down to watch sunset and have a little picnic. Um, it was Valentine's Day. And, um, and I've been feeling some of the, you know, going through some emotions and the things and whatever. And so it was a little bit of a, a you know, so-so kind of a feeling as I, as I was, uh, in, and you know, you know, that motion we make with our hands when we say so, so I think about like, if you were taking the coin back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, I'm not solidly on either side of the coin right now. Right. I'm going like Abe and then whatever that building is back, forth, back, forth. So we go down to the beach and the sun's already set. So it's just a beautiful lit up sky. And we're kind of having a picnic as we had driven in, um, this, I, so I live in Hawaii, and as we'd driven in, it's this four-wheel drive road, and this other truck stopped to let us turn our truck into four-wheel drive to get over this really rough patch, and then as we then passed this truck, you know, we, we, we waved, we, we said thank you, and the this beautiful man in this truck smiles at us, him and his wife, and, or person he's with, and he says, uh, hey, you guys have a great night. And he says, there's two monk seals down there at the beach just past that car. And the Hawaiian monk seals are endangered. And they're very rare. I've lived here 12 years. I've never seen one. And to my knowledge, you never see two of them at the same time. They're really solitary creatures. So we're like, no way, this is amazing. So we go down to the beach. Well, we can't see. It's a, it's a beach that has lots of like lava, so black rocks, like big black rocks. And I can't see anything. I can't, I'm standing and I'm looking around and there's kind of some other people off to the side. And I think, well, maybe there's a, there's kind of a smoother looking rock just on the other side of those people that maybe that's the monk seal, but I don't know. It's just kind of dark. And, um, and those people are giving me like the weird look, like why is this chick standing and looking all around? And so I'm definitely not going to go walk across their kind of little tea party to go see what that is. 
so we sit down and we eat and a little while later it's it's dark and we're laying back and watching the stars come up and it's beautiful and I'm feeling much more um much more on my Abe Lincoln side of the coin and then uh we look over and we say oh those people drove away we didn't even notice should we go and see if maybe that's the monk seal and so we kind of start walking over there and I'm going kind of slow because I'm barefoot and it's a little uh I'm kind of a tenderfoot and we get a little closer and then we can see we're still a little ways away but we can see with there's enough light that we can tell that there's an outline here and this isn't rock doesn't look like lava and then someone goes by a distance away in a car and it shines a headlight a little bit and we definitely see this is a huge monk seal um, um let's see here i'm trying to think of how i can tell you like the size of what this was but um i'll, I'll think of something in a minute it's giant it's so big um and so we stand there just in awe for a moment of this creature and in my head i'm talking to it and i'm I'm just feeling so much love and I'm saying thank you and, and I love you and, and this is a, and a really amazing thing. And as I, as I say, I love you, his head pops up and he looks at me and then he puts his head back down. And I just start laughing out loud. Oh, Pure pleasure. <laughs> it was so much fun. And I want to be able to tell you how big this thing is. If I laid down next to it, it was way longer than me and like three feet wide just huge wow huge, huge, wow huge. amazing oh beautiful so we go back finally <sighs> we sit back down I'll, I'll wrap this up quick here we sit back down on our blanket we're looking at the stars and all of a sudden we hear this loud sound and it sounds like um air coming out of like a blowhole kind of like it's a it's a it's a loud expulsion of air sound kind of a wet <laughs> wet airy kind of sound and we're like, did you, did you hear that? What, what is that? And then all of a sudden we're like, can you smell that? And I'm thinking, did we just get crop dusted by a monk seal? <laughs> what is happening right now? And we get up again and we walk over and sure enough, we get into distance. And I'm not sure where this air came out of. I don't know if this is like a just noise they make with their mouths. Maybe it's like a, I don't know, but it was hysterical. It's just very loud, sort of cough, bark, blowhole type sound. I can't describe it. It comes so loud. And it, as we're walking up, they make the sound really loud again. And we both just startled because it's really dark now. So anyway, that was, you asked for a place oh, or a thing that I've been enjoying lately, and that's one that I really enjoyed. No, oh, and so do we now. That's amazing <laughs> to see a monk seal in Hawaii. My goodness, and then to get who to get crop dusted by one. That's that might be the takes the cake. Wow, amazing. Okay, um, okay, what book I, I'm a, I'm an avid reader so I always like to ask this question of my guests to see if you're a reader or something of that sort where um, there's a book that stands out and I know you may have a thousand but if there's one or two that takes you know your your mind right now in terms of that has been an inspiration to you on your journey so I absolutely love everything by Abraham Hicks one of the books that um so I love, I love to um, clear my bookshelf periodically, sort of like purge my belongings. Um, I have lots of stuff, but I also like, I love to clear out. So one of the books that stays steadily with me is a book called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Um, and it's one of those great reference books I always come back to. And I highly recommend it. Um, it's beautifully written. It's very uplifting. And it's also a very empowering book. Um, and it's an easy to, you know, pick up and flip to a page and open it and find some inspiration. Inspiration. So I think mm, so that's incredible. the one that's on my mind at the moment. On my mind at the moment. Awesome. Actually, that was that came into my awareness. Um, I have not yet read it. Uh, surprisingly, in a way, I, I kind of feel there are certain books that I'm like, really, I haven't read that yet. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's one yeah. of them. And I actually, a friend of mine shared the cover of it with me the other day as inspiration for my book cover, just ideas. And it was so funny. I'm like, wow, that's really wonderful. So it's coming into my awareness a lot right now for a reason. So maybe it's time to pick it up. So what are you working on or creating right now that is inspiring you and 
lighting you up? Mm. So I am, I just had the inspiration to open the doors again. Um, usually happens maybe once a year. Um, and I just wait for the intuitive hit when it's supposed to happen. So I'm really excited because the hit just came to open the doors again for my course, um, which is a meditation and energy work course. And it's kind of like basic life hacks that I feel like everyone should have, kind of like magic life hacks. Um, and, and, and it really is the beginning of discovering your, your own psychic superpowers. Um, that, that winds up being sort of the um, byproduct that comes from this course is, is people starting to understand that we all have these, um, these gifts, whatever you want to call them, these intuitive gifts and abilities. And, and this is the learning how to use those. It's, it's however, the, the, the purpose of the course is really um, the, the energy work, learning this energy work. And in, to do so, you wind up having to tap into your psychic and, and, um, and intuitive abilities. So when I get to launch that course, it means I get to sit with the energy of who's meant to be in this course and people start to come out of the woodwork um, to find me. I start getting hits of call this person, reach out to this person. And then as each person um, comes and signs in and uh, it's, it feels like Christmas, it's, it's like unwrapping the most exciting presents for me. That's awesome. Amazing. Very good. Well, um, maybe somebody listening is feeling that and your energies align and they find you or you find them. Who knows? This is that's I love your I love hearing your process of that, even just a, a little piece of it. That's really it's inspiring to me, actually. So then for those who now are inspired to reach out, they want to get to know you more. They want to learn about what you're creating and how they can be part of that energetic field that you are. Um, calling in, where do they find you? So my website is caraviana.com. It's C-A-R-A-V-I-A-N-A. And they can find me on there. They can email me at cara at caraviana.com. Um, I, I absolutely love to have conversations and connections and, and talk about this kind of work with people, um, especially if it's something that you're like, I have no idea. Most people who sign up for my course, this is like the common thing people say. I had no idea what I was signing up for. I didn't know what I was getting into. I just knew something felt right. And then later they're so happy that they did. So I've learned that, it, you know, there aren't really words that explain it. So I love to have conversations with people and be able to kind of share more about more of my energy and where they're at in their journey. So I, I would love to receive emails, emails, and emails and new people, new people. I love it. It's and incredible. Of course, and, I'm, yeah. of course I'm on Facebook and Instagram yeah. and all that good stuff. Awesome. So caraviana.com or email her Kara at caraviana.com and, and check her out. You know, again, it's um, being energetically connected to someone like you. I get that feeling and um, it's very powerful to, to, there's a sense of, you just know. So if you're listening and, and sometimes you haven't yet learned to trust the knowing. So even if there's just that like curiosity, something is hitting and, and you, you, you know, follow it, trust that and, and go check out her webpage or go send her an email, check her out. Um, I don't think you'll be, you won't be sad that you did so, or disappointed. Um, but this has been an incredible conversation as I knew it would be. And I'm leaving more inspired than when I started, which is the whole point of these. Um, and this is why we have this sacred space and we share it with all of you who are listening. So with that, um, Kara, is there anything else you'd like to say before I close the show? I would love to invite anybody who just has that little bit of curiosity. Um, I lead a subscription group. It's just two calls a month um, called the Playful Spirit Circle. And it's, you can hop in at any time. And if you go to my website and, and click around until you find the Playful Spirit Circle, you can sign up for two months for free. So it's an easy, fun way to just get to experience a little bit more of this kind of playful goodness. Amazing. Okay, that's that's a done deal. Great. So go check that out. And um, of course, thank you for listening and tuning in to Be Inspired. 
um, to live a life that you can remember that joy is an inside job. There's always two sides of the coin and it's up to us to um, be mindful of that and to remember to flip it over whenever we get the inkling to do so. Um, the sun is always behind the clouds. So again, remembering that it is always within us to tap into whenever we need it. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Kara, for being here. Um, subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already, Being Inspired Radio Show on iTunes. And look forward to having you back next week for another incredible guest. And until then, many blessings.